Adventure number 57. Wow, the numbers are just piling up, aren't they? Yeah. It's it's not it's not doom, Mike. It's okay. It's just another show. Yeah. <laughs> Until we hit 60. Oh, hush. Anyway, this is one of your hosts, DM Mike, along with DM Glenn. Hi, and I'm start I'm starting to get to the age where I get the senior discount. Yeah. <laughs> Youngins. And DM Liz, who is only 29, so, you know. <laughs> and holding. And holding for no, many years. No, seriously, this year, I can go to the fair this Wednesday and get in free. So, ooh, like, ooh yeah. Uh, look out, Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> Liz and I are at that age, you know, where we fe- we're old enough to feel old, but not old enough to actually get any discounts or anything for it. But yeah, I'm waiting for them works. to start, like... I mean, you know, the the hobby's getting old enough where we sh- they should be able to do like senior discounts at game stores <laughs> and conventions, you know. Hey, let's mention that next time we're at Madness Madness Comics. Yeah, we'll yeah. Go, I, can... I, I want to get a Grogner discount. Yeah, at least get you know ten percent off. <laughs> I'm going to talk Bad Mike into do like NTRPG con. Show us your AARP card to get fifteen percent off. I have a suggestion for. <laughs> For North Texas RPG Con too, but we'll we'll wait a little further in the show for that. Okay. So, what have you been doing, basic experty this week, or two weeks, considering how long it's been since we recorded? Glenn, the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. This show. This show. Yeah. Believe it or not, my basic game for the last two weeks has been canceled. Is uh, the one you do with your grandson? No, no. This is I've, I'm in a this is RC one. Yeah, oh. it's my Rule Cyclopedia Beckme game. Uh, it got canceled the last two weeks because, uh, well, the last one he couldn't. You know, the wife. You know, on my DM, the wife said, "Okay, it's not this week." But the one before we got canceled because we lost two people that week. But uh, we're looking forward because the next game we end up in Mistara finally because we've been in Thunder Rift. And we just went into a dungeon and jumped through a pool, and we ended up in Mistara. Okay, so I've never really seen much of Thunder Rift, so I didn't know if it was part of Mistara or was its own campaign world. It's one of those places where you can put it where you want. Um, There's a whole big thing on, like, Aim Dragon's Foot, and especially the Vaults of Pandius, where is Thunder Rift? And, well, I put it here. Well, I put it here. Well, I put it over here. Some people put it in uh, Greyhawk. You know, so you can put it anywhere you want. It's just that he had a specific place. It's like we jumped in the pool. We're in Mistara. Unfortunately, Thunder Rift is not in Mistara. It's in the continent next door. Ah, so it's like you're you're on the same world, just on the other side of the world. But yeah, we're like 
we were he made he made his own land, Mythgarther, next to uh, Mistara. He replaced one of the the realms there. Oh, okay. And he put Thunder Rift in there, but the portal lands us somewhere outside of Specularum and Karamikos. Isle of Dread. <laughs> yeah. So so now we get to uh, like he's going to do the whole you don't speak their language stuff like that is it? Oh come on. Oh, so common isn't common. Our common is different than is their common. Their common. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. I think it's more like we're talking English and they're talking like Welsh or Cajun or something. <laughs> it's English barely. Chinese. But yeah. You know, it's kind of English. <laughs> Or some like the various Romance languages from Latin. Oh yeah, oh, Spanish, yeah. French, Italian. Other than that, I did. I played me in one uh, Thorkey's one game last night. Got to kill a bunch of uh, spiders. That was fun. Oh, well, and that's it, always and, fun. Oh, and we uh, we managed to kill a couple of Ettons that got stuck in the in the dungeon. It was a little too small for them. Aww. <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I hope I'm just my, my character, Yukasaka, I'm hoping he's not going to get the uh, reputation. He doesn't want to be called Yuka Crotch Puncher. <laughs> then don't a, punch crotches. That seemed to be his <laughs> gambit. <laughs> then, yeah, you'd probably better change the gambit or just accept the nickname. <laughs> How about you, Liz? What you been doing? Oh, well, I've been working on and off on writing up an adventure, partially for this episode to mm-hmm. kind of get me in the mood for what we're going to be talking about. And partially, this is something that I've been kind of thinking about and has been on my mind for the past month, maybe now. I just sort of work on it off and on. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. It's a work in progress. Uh, That's about the only thing I've been doing, apart from this show. You're going to run it on Skype? <laughs> no. Ah. Well, yeah. maybe. That's I'm not going to promise anything. She's uh, going to run it at North Texas RPG Con. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. How about you, Mike? for me, um, still slogging through Imagine Magazines. So. Oh, really? You, you yeah. Those? I, well, I got derailed from it because the latest Honor Harrington novel is out and I hadn't mm. noticed and it is so that's been taking up a lot of my time I'm afraid I understand. Uh, we're still alive well I almost died in the uh, 2E game on Saturday nights ow yeah well I I almost let the character die because it was like my character is getting I, I'm thinking we probably need more just straight fighters. I'm running a Elven fighter magic user. Well, have a girl too, you know. Just a, well, our DM offered 500 XP if you play something outside your normal zone. So, uh, yeah, okay, female character. Did that give uh, me the 500? Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, if I'd been living closer, I would have helped you out. Hmm. But uh, there's that. I played in Vince's 1E game Tuesday night. Oh, yeah? Which, How's that? Well, we killed a lot of spiders. Oh, you too, huh? Well, so a lot of spiders, only they were a dream. So we ended up just killing one big spider. Oh, okay. That, was, that I guess, kind of made up pound for pound. But gotcha. Anyway, oh, so uh, that's been most what's going on with us. By the way, you're going to send that PDF, give that PDF to Chase. The, okay. monster, the monster PDF. Okay. 
assuming he doesn't already have it, but yeah, I'll let him know. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna just like, socks is going to be blown off. Yeah. Now, emails. Speaking of sending stuff to people, do we have any emails since we cover a lot of emails in 50, in the prior episode? Well, we have one new email since then. Oh boy. So, it's a very small elite grouping of emails. Emails. And our email for this episode is from Rust. Hi, Rust. Hey, Rust. Hey, Rust. Rust writes, places gun to the temple of the joke, kobolds look like puppies, and pulls the trigger. <laughs> then faces the camera and says, and now for something completely different. Oh, boy. <laughs> In many video games, food will give a bonus to XP. I have used this in games myself. It tends to make the established safe campsite something more than just, we go and rest up. Warrior Mm -hmm. needs food badly. (laughs) Warrior (laughs) is about about to die. die. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, he goes on to say, usually something like 50 gold for a small pouch of seasonal XP salt. (laughs) 5% bonus to XP if just eaten. 15% if used in a feast. The feast consisting of two potatoes, four carrots, one onion, one small piglet, and one pint of ale for each PC. Except for the piggies. Back, baby, back, baby, back. (laughs) Jilly's baby back ribs. (laughs) Except for the piggies, the veggies are easily carried, and the effects last until rest is needed, usually 24 hours. Keep the fire going. Rest. <laughs> What's the effect? Just increasing XP or hit yeah. points? Or? Uh, for XP. So say, oh, okay. say you do that feast, and then the next day you have an encounter with some insanely huge monster or whatever. Okay. If you succeed, you'll get an extra 15%. You know, to the okay. XP you would have ordinarily received from that encounter. That makes a difference. I had this vision of, okay, the Minotaur's closing. Where's the fighter? He's in the back of the party eating a pillar of salt. Be right with you. Chips if you got them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that, that kind of plays off the idea of that Dragon Magazine article uh, way back called Orgies Incorporated. Not as interesting as the title would, would give you, make you I think. I was about to say, it's like, It's early. It's, I don't remember exactly what issue. I know it was before 50, issue 50. But anyway, basically the whole idea was that you give XP to PCs for finding treasure, uh-huh. but they don't actually get the XPs until they spend it. Ah, I've heard that one before. So it was basically a way of getting cash out of PC's hands so they don't like end up loading up with 8,000 GP and lugging it around everywhere. Heaven forbid they start a, a keep or something. Oh, no, no. Cause that's a, that, that costs money. We don't want that. We'll just run around with huge amounts of cash. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, you know. You're getting an XP bonus if you, and obviously, they're spending 50 gold on the bag of seasonings, and I'm sure that's probably only good for one feast. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So you know, it, it's another way of kind of uh, as a money sink. Makes sense, yeah. really. I've heard people do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to do especially something. if a if a player is thinking to themselves, you know, I am this close to leveling up. 
So if I can just get an extra boost to my experience for this, you know, gaming session, you know, I should make third level. You know, it's like no, you know. Yeah, and and much as I love it, basic expert especially tends to have, if you look at the modules, rather high treasure. Yeah. Awards. Yeah, this this works. This works in really. I mean, you know, they have to get the XP when they spend it. They go out and spend five hundred gold pieces they get the xp plus they have salt they can eat with their food and get more xp and so it all works out i wonder if you can sub for the piglet you know what if you like get a really big you know salmon or something (laughs) or a wild boar no substitutions (laughs) anyway Thanks for the email, Rust. It's Thanks, certainly Rust. it's certainly something that you know I've toyed with on occasion. Various methods of XP and getting rid of PC cash. Yeah, but that sounds like a pretty reasonable method. It is. It is. Although it would inc- obviously increase um, level advancement a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, folks, you can send in your email at saverdiepodcast at gmail dot com. That's right. We also have a well. No, we don't. Never mind. <laughs> we don't have a voicemail? Uh, if we do, I, I, I remember just as good as uh, Vince used to remember it. Ah, okay. <laughs> Which is not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Check our announcement. It should have the number there. Yes, absolutely. It will. Meanwhile, this episode, we are answering some requests from listeners. We're going to talk about plot points. In particular, how do we create adventures or encounters? And for that discussion, we're going to move into DM's workshop. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. But this isn't science. It's more like black magic. Better. Stronger. Faster. It's all coming together. Welcome to the Dungeon Master's Workshop. The DM's Workshop. Ha ha. Creating adventures. Unless you're lazy and just buy the ones off. You know. Oh no, I don't have I don't have two shelves of modules. It's just an illusion. Yeah. Nah, nah, yeah. nah, of course not. All those judges guild, it's not there. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Who'd pay money for adventures? Right? Yeah, boy. yeah. When you just make your own. Bunch of suckers. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll start with Liz. Oh man. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's the first thing you do when starting sitting down to start writing an adventure? Well, usually it begins with an idea, which I jot down on a piece of paper somewhere. If I'm lucky, I don't immediately lose it within 24 hours. <laughs> um, then <laughs> I decide what levels the adventure will be for. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I figure this out. You know, from what the idea is, mm-hmm. you know, some things lend themselves to higher levels than others and vice versa. Um, I personally tend to prefer low to mid-level adventures, and I'll rarely write things out for characters higher than 6th or 7th level. Um, then I will try to brainstorm a list of things that could happen as fast as I can. Um, it doesn't need to make sense. I'm just throwing out ideas into the air without thinking too much about it. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to make between 15 and 20 of those. And then I'll look them over more thoroughly later and see if I can use any of them in any way whatsoever. 
Um, you know, a lot of them will be stuff that just winds up getting thrown out altogether. But the important thing is just, you know, coming up with as many possible things as you can. Um, and sometimes the list will inspire me to create a new magic item for the adventure, you know, even if it doesn't, you know, inspire. Like, okay, I definitely want to have this happen, you know, but, you know, hey, I could make an item. So mm-hmm. I'll do that. Do, um, you, do you brainstorm with other people sometimes or just... Sometimes, you know, Mike and I will, you know, bounce ideas off each other a lot. And, you know, sometimes he'll say something that will, you know, make me go, hey, yeah. You know, and I like to think that once in a while I, you know, do the same for him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you know, sometimes I do, you know, talk with other people about, you know, stuff I'm doing. Okay. What do you think? How do you start, Glenn? Damn. Got to me first. Ha, 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 ha. There's a couple of, usually, a couple of ways. Usually um, I come up with a what if, and I also like to think about cliches and turning them on their ear. But my favorite method that I don't get to do often enough is what I call the Leonard Woolsey technique. Um, do tell. Yes. Um, if anybody's ever seen the movie Matinee, yes, <laughs> John Goodman is Leonard Woolsey, based on William Castle, who would come up with a title and then figure out what the story is. It's Rumble Rama. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just love coming up with like the last one I came up with was uh, the steadying of the swilled giant Keith. <laughs> because I remember long ago when Look I out, first- it's Keith. Yeah, for long ago, I remember seeing, you know, the Steading of the Hill Giant Chief, and I didn't know what the hell a Steading was. <laughs> you know, I never heard of a Steading before. It's like, well, what's the matter? Is he old? Is he drunk? What's the matter? <laughs> you know, he's got like three or four, page, you know, other giant pages. Oh, come here. Oh, come. oh no, 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 stand. Okay, fine. He's okay. You know, that's what I thought it was. And then I re- oh, it's a, a building. Okay, this is boring. So... <laughs> I started thinking about it. How would this? How could I make this title a reality? And it's about as starts coming up with like um, a giant ambassador, a storm giant coming to the BCs for some reason, helping his cousin, this hill giant who runs this this tribe, and either he's become alcoholic or he's gotten really old, or and somebody else, you know. And then I just start working it. What could you know? What could happen? Who could be the bad guys? Who could be the good guys? What would happen when the PCs get involved? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my favorite way. Okay. Well, I guess mine is. I usually think of. I start with the villain or villains. Mm-hmm. I think of somebody. You know. Okay. You know, for instance, that the, always the favorite one is you know the dragon, right? Or you know the evil magic user. I'll look through the books and some maybe some spells, maybe some magic items, and think, well, what if somebody really nasty got a hold of this? Mm-hmm. And then what would the effects be on that region? And then I build the adventure out that way. Mm. Interesting. And, and I particularly try to go, you know, okay, and the villain will do A, B, C, and D. And, you know, if the if the players, characters involve themselves in it, great. If not, well, because one thing I really, really, really hate uh-huh. is adventure, adventure writing where it's scene to scene. 
Uh-huh. And it's a railroad. Ah, uh, I see. You know, well, the players have to do this, and they must find this, and the villain, they must face the villain here, but the villain will escape. Mm-hmm. And be seen again in scene three. If the player characters or the players come up with a really nifty way of nailing the villain in scene one, Mm -hmm. they should get him, in my opinion. You know, that's that's rewarding, intelligent play. That's true. Um, I would I I think I may have spoken on this on the show before another episode, but I would have referred you to the blog, The Alexandrian, because he's got a couple of really good blog entries in there about not railroading and how you mm. should not prep plots, prep situations to, to avoid that kind of railroad thing. Because I'm right up there with you. you yeah. Know, I hate I hate the railroad. I hate the choo-choo. And I go out of my way to keep it from that way. At the same time, trying to keep the not too sandboxy, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, I throw five hooks out there and they don't take any of them. Well, come on. Right. I mean, and if that's the player's choice, you know, they don't want to go after any hooks. Okay. Well, then don't complain if, you know, the game goes into five days of sitting in the tavern drinking beer. Yeah. Because, well, that's your choice. Your choice is to do nothing. Okay. Well, then that's that's how You're, the game's going to go. You succeeded. <laughs> yes, you succeeded. You won. Or yes. three, or a certain female player. <laughs> Not in this podcast, ah, okay. who spends, you know, three hours role-playing buying clothes. Ah, okay. Really? Wow. Yeah, I know, I, yeah I, I, you know who that is. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and like, well, okay, that's what you want to do, but don't complain about the game being boring, because mm, that's what you chose. Because this is boring, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other players oh, are mad she because she's not bored at all. Yeah, she was having a great time. The other players was like, "Well, then, what do you do? Do something different. You're the ones deciding. We can't split up the party. All right. Well, if you're going to let her lead you around to a hundred different, you know, haberdasheries, then that's your business. Yeah, no, nothing you can nothing you can really do about it unless you want to take control. Yeah. So, okay, we'll keep the order going. Liz, what inspires you? What? Uh, where do you go for inspiration if you're needing an adventure idea? Mike? No, no, we're going in order. No, I so thought you, you inspire her, don't you? No. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> Mike is my inspiration for 96% of all my villains. Why? <laughs> He's your villainous muse. <laughs> muse. Oh. Yeah. No. Sounds oh, funny oh, or my way. Yeah, it does. <laughs> He's my moose of inspiration. Probably more accurate that way, too. He's your moose of inspiration. Okay. Uh, I'd <laughs> say Let me pull reading. Reading? Reading. I, I get a lot of my ideas from books I've read, and it doesn't necessarily have to be fantasy books. You know, I could be reading a mystery, you know, set in modern day, and something might come up. It's like, you know, I could tweak that and set it into a fantasy campaign setting and make it work. Um, I'll find ideas all over the place, though. I'd say reading is the most, but, for instance, the adventure that I'm working on writing up right now is inspired by this summer's horrific heat and drought that we endured the past few months. And that was what, yeah, that was what gave me the idea for the adventure I'm doing now. So, Mm -hmm. inspiration can come from anywhere. (laughs) 
Very but true. books are my favorite. Okay. Glenn? My favorite source of inspiration is two things. Uh, other game books and supplements. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily D&D, but D&D is the most of it. And movies and TV. I was just about to say, movies are going to come in there somewhere. I movies know. and TV. Well, you know, this is where I feel that I break from people like Crispy and a lot, and to me, the majority of the old school gamers. And I'm talking not only of old school gaming as a whole, but like the Grognards, the illegitimate Grognards, the guy who's been, the guys who've been there since day one. Mm-hmm. Because their inspiration and Gary's was basically literature. Mm-hmm. It was the Pulps. It was Conan. It was Fritz Lieber. It was Lovecraft. It was Howard. all this Howard. Yeah, all this stuff. I don't read any of that. I was a slow reader, and I don't really get into fiction all that much. In fact, and over at uh, over at Thaco's Hammer, we did the Forgotten Realms uh, show, and I mentioned I read the Avatar trilogy. People were going, "What." You're reading fiction? And I said, yeah, I read those. These were the last fiction I read. But, but, <laughs> but I get, I'm get i more of a visual. you know, And that's why I don't understand why me and Crispy get along so well, because he's more of a literature kind of guy. And these guys are kind of more literature kind of guys, you know, what you see in your mind. Me, it's like, you know, the Tim Burtons, the Terry Gilliams, the, the uh, movie Conans, the Ray Harryhausen stuff, all that stuff is my inspiration. Okay. All the fantasy. I mean, I don't think that makes me less of a DM. It's just a I, different style. I'm more of a visual guy. But, you know, I'm, I'm an artist, you know. Of course I'm going to be a more visual guy. Okay. Uh, and there are some really good films out there. I there mean, are. There's a lot. sell it short. Right. There's a lot of good films out there. Um, so that's where I get my mainly my inspiration. Like I said, that and like if I'm reading, like the other night I was reading through uh, Volo's Guide to Waterdeep, and I got like, saw th- two or three things. I go, wow, I should do that. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Other D&D stuff. I don't know if that's cheating or not. <laughs> no, I don't see you know, where that would be. Some people I know pick up the... You know, first edition DMG or the basic DMG, uh, like BX or the Rule Cyclopedia, and they thumb through and go get like two or three good ideas. You notice, Liz, he really works in Rule Cyclopedia now a lot. I know. Yeah. Why don't why? Well, I haven't heard much Doctor Who out of you guys. Come on, give it the. That is true. That is true. Well, last night's there. episode was really, really good. <laughs> now that you mention it. <laughs> Yeah, speaking it, it of was movies. A, yeah, it, it was an Old West theme, and oh. it did a lot of It was nods. Doctor Who in a spaghetti western. Yeah, you know, you know all, all those tropes. tropes. Uh, <laughs> the Undertaker measuring him up before he goes out for the gunslinger. He becomes the sheriff of the town, and the sheriff dies, leaving it to him to defend the town. Kind of like that uh, yeah. prisoner episode. Possibly. Yeah. I've only seen... I'd say maybe half the prisoner, so I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, but that's where I get mine. What about you, Mike? Um, I would have to say literature, um, though I would say I don't actually read a lot of fantasy anymore. I read a lot of... Zombies! I read zombie. <laughs> I read um, 19th century... Sci- you know, what they the science fiction of the era or scientific romances as they uh-huh. were called. Right. Um, 
But people behave in certain ways regardless of time or genre. So as long as you keep that in mind, you don't have to like, oh, well, I've read this cool cyberpunk novel, so to have it in D&D, I've got to give everybody steampunky type cyberware. Well, no, not necessarily. You don't yeah. have to do that. Um, but I do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if that's what you want to do, personally, I find that there was one module, a Goodman Games Dungeon Crawl Classics uh-huh. module, something of the stone arm. Mm-hmm. And to me, I found the adventure, I mean, I'm not bashing the author. You know, obviously some people really must have liked it. Personally, I found it very dull because it sounded, it read to me like somebody wrote up a shadow, uh, a shadow run or cyberpunk adventure and it didn't quite work out. So they just put some fantasy tropes on it, made the <laughs> cyberware into basically stone golem appendages mm-hmm. and just ran with it. And, you know, some people like that. Personally, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing else, that's kind of lazy. I think you can do better than that. But right. you know, if it works for your campaign, that's great. And in the end, if you and your players are having fun, then obviously you're writing the right adventures or using the right ones. Yeah, you're, yes. you're, you're doing something. Regardless of what your grog cred is on it or not. Yeah. Personally, I think grog cred is overrated. Well, grog cred at the end of the day is not going to bring players to your table. That's right. You, you have to... Yeah. You have to you have to do a little bit, you know, to make it fun for them. <laughs> yeah, you got to bring the fun to the table, right? And uh, my opinion is that Grogner, yeah, old school game style, is just as entertaining as today's, if done right. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of people who are probably Grogs who would run a crappy game regardless of what game system they were trying to Yeah. You know, I don't really think of it as old school style. I think of it as my style. Mm-hmm. Or your style. It's hard to think of it less as, well, I, I, I like being a grog, don't get me wrong, and I think a lot of the old school style is a rule, in, at its core, is kind of rules light. Mm-hmm. It trusts the DM to handle odd situations. Yeah, you actually have to think, wow. Yeah, whereas modern games seem, not all, but a lot of them seem to go with, we need to tell the DM what he needs to do. And right. I just, I don't... You know, it's funny, it's funny, I, uh, I've read some books on uh, Disney, Disneyland, and Walt Disney World, and they were saying there that Walt Disney originally uh, envisioned Disneyland to not only be an amusement park, but kind of educational. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, some of his stuff show that land and you yeah, know all because that. yeah, but he says, what do most people do when they go to Disneyland? They turn off their brain. I guess last time I was at Disney World was 1987. So, huh. mm. but it's it's like they it's like they get stupid the minute they walk in the gate and they do, st- <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden it's all entertain me. And it's not educational. So, yeah, I can understand what you're oh, saying. I, yeah, I mean, in my current field of profession, it's becoming more and more, you know, how do we entertain our students Yeah. to keep their to, – to actually slip in some education there. Now, to, to, to get on a grumpy old man soapbox, not to do that. But, you know, today's, today's people, they want – they want entertainment, but if they have to think to be entertained, they don't want that. 
I would I would hazard to say that people were probably just as bad at that as in our day as they are quote unquote today. I think they just had less venues. That's why I had that's why I was kind of hesitant to do that because I knew you know you know time yeah. doesn't all change all that people don't change all that much. But yeah, yeah, it just seems that way. That's all. Oh, it's true because they've got more and more options. Like Liz, your infamous uh, <laughs> elevator story. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got out of class one day. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on the ninth floor of a building, and mm-hmm. so got out of class, go down, get into the elevator. By the time we have all gotten into the elevator, you know, I'm in an elevator with at least 10 or 11 other people. Mm. Every single one of them has a smartphone out, and they're texting. Punched over the only, their phones. Yeah, and I'm the only person who doesn't have a phone out texting. Everybody else is looking down at a phone all around me. Da, 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 da. It's like, wow, this is you, really freaky. You know? I bet you've never been... So isolated in a crowd before. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, getting off topic, I feel. Yeah, I guess. So we know our inspirations. Uh-huh. What do y'all think of random adventure generators, whether it's, you know, like a random dungeon generator or some of the other things? I've seen a lot of them online, and they've been in some books, too. Mm-hmm. Liz, what do you think of that kind of stuff? Is that valid? Is it of any use? Oh, sure, sure. Um, I, I think they can be. I think the random generators can be really useful if you are either in a hurry or you're just strapped for ideas and you just you know punch the button to see what comes up and maybe it'll you know spark something in your head. Um, you know, sometimes you can get a burst of inspiration just from that and you run with it. Um, I would say if you do if you do use the generators, don't let yourself be ruled by them. If something does not seem to make sense to you that comes up on the generator, change it. Um, or figure out an explanation for why a seemingly nonsensical chain of events is occurring and maybe an Alice in Wonderland kind of vibe. You know, it's like, well, it's all weird, but it's all supposed to be weird, and this is why. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have a problem with the uh, adventure generators, just as long as, you know, you're controlling them and they're not controlling you. Yeah. Well, so it's, you would probably say it's better used for inspiration or... Yeah, or, you know, I would prefer to have a preconceived plot, but say, if I had a regular game going every week, and for whatever reason, because of schoolwork, errands, other things, I just did not have time to come up with something, and it's the night before, it's like, oh crap, i got to do something, you know, haul out the random adventure generator, see if something, you know, you can get something good out of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Glenn? I love them. I, I've got a few bookmarked in the internet. I've downloaded a few. I've got lists in my DMs book. Uh, I've got the Tome Venture Design and Ultimate Toolbox, which has stuff in like that in there. I absolutely love them for what, like Liz said, inspiration. And, you know, like she said, if it, you have, you're the final judge of what 
makes the cut and what doesn't. If it doesn't make sense to you, get rid of it or figure out a way to justify them. If you mm-hmm. remember, I don't know, was it EN World? I believe it was EN World started the Iron DM contest <laughs> where they would throw random things together and say, make an adventure out of this. And people would compete. I thought that was the best thing I'd ever seen. That's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe good. maybe we could do a contest on Save or Die yeah. regarding that. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Min- uh, a minotaur, a cabin, and a spoon. Go. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Orc and pie. No. Uh- <laughs> Not just any spoon, a spoon of endless gruel. Ooh. Yeah, the, the minotaur will kill for it, and he lives in the cabin. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, what about you? Well, first, is there any particular product is go-to for you? Go-to? Web- yeah, a website, a particular table, a particular um, supplement. Not really on the Internet. I've got a couple of them bookmarked. Um I've got various and random lists of different things in my, like I said, my DM book. My go-tos right now are, like I said, the Tome of Adventure Design and Ultimate Toolbox. Just thumbing through there gives me ideas. Okay. Um, and Liz? Yeah, Liz? Uh, I cannot think of any particular product right off the bat that I would say that I use all the time. I mean, <laughs> I mean I've got some stuff linked on my on my internet, but, you know, nothing's... No one thing stands out. Yeah, I was going to say, if you'll if you'll hold on a second, I can try and well, call up my... I'll go on to my stuff then. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I think I'm a lot like Liz. I'll use it, but it's usually more to, you know, give me some rooms. I'd say, I, I guess if I use anything, it's generally like a random dungeon generator. Mm-hmm. And I'll come up with, like, you know, a dozen, two dozen rooms... And then I'll look at the contents, fiddle with the monsters and everything. And usually that'll give me a, an idea of what is this, you know, whether it's an orc, you know, tribe living in here, it's an old tomb, it's, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I get you. And then I'll, then I'll just kind of expand from there. Um, as far as go-to things, mm-hmm. I liked Jim Ward's Towers of Adventure. Towers of Adventure. Um, yeah, it's a little box, one of those digest-sized box sets put out by Troller Games. It's for Castles and Crusades, but, I mean, come on, it's virtually can be used with any D&D. Yes, yes, like the books I have, it's pretty much generic. Yeah, so, and, you know, it's more for dungeons and smaller, I mean, sorry, for towers, obviously, and smaller dungeons. But it's really great to get the, you know, creativity going and... It's also great, as he originally said, and Steve did, the idea of it is, you know, you're at a con, you want to run a quick pickup game, mm-hmm. there you go. You know, you can roll on a few tables and you're good to go. And storm the tower. Yeah. yeah. And I use, there's a couple of uh, online dungeon generators I use. I'll just go to and, you know, plug in something, see what yeah. happens. Um, they had, uh, Watsy used to have a nice one. Or three five that I've lost the link to it, but every once in a while I go in and just like you know fire that up and see what I come up with. You come up with some weird stuff, but mm-hmm. hey, it's something to work with, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Now, this is another one that's a bit of controversy, and I'll start with you this time since Liz is busy. Um, Do you design your adventures for the player characters based around them? And I mean as far as, you know, okay, two fighters, a wizard, and, and two thieves. Right. Or do you basically do the adventure and then it's up to them to react and well, figure out the best way to handle it? Yeah, well, just listening to me talk on this, you probably figured out I designed the adventure first. Yeah, me too. And I, that's just the way I do it. Now, that would change if I was in a regular ongoing group where I was the DM. Because then I could sit down and start tailoring stuff to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only way I would do that without a group like that is say if I was going to run a game at a convention or a group or playtest stuff and I had pre-gens. I see you're nicer because I would I do the adventure and I don't plan it around the characters as far as classes and stuff go. Now, regarding backstory, we'll talk now, about what's, that. Now, what's, what bothers me about doing that you know, strictly. I mean, I do it, yeah, but what I'm saying is you run the risk of not involving the PCs at all. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't follow. Um, I always worry about, like, I come up with a great idea, and here's the through line, and here's the this, that, and the other thing, and it looks. I look at it, and I go, yeah, but where do the PCs come in? You know, you got all yeah, the well, PCs running around doing stuff. Where do they come in? Yeah, well, it's kind of like the danger of a sandbox. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you can only do so much if the PCs are determined not to follow, you know, what you think are the hooks, then, right. well, but then they're not going to do that adventure. I well, mean, what I'm saying, once they get the hook, you got to make sure there's a hole to put them in where they can go do their thing and see what happens. That's why I was talking right. about the Alexandrian, where you just set up situations and I let don't, it go. I guess I'm not following you then because I don't see what what is where is give me an example of what this problem might be. Okay, um, let's see. I had a scenario I was working on for a while. Okay, all about an old farmer outside of town whose sister is a druid. Okay, she helps him with the farm and takes care of the forest nearby. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also helps him raise vegetables, you know, with her knowledge of spells and nature and all that stuff. And so he got some really good vegetables, and they have like a vegetable stand outside the farm, and they sell vegetables. Well, one day, this orc family comes down the road, and I'm just going to play these orcs like hillbillies. <laughs> and it was like the farm. Fo- you hear banjos? I think yeah. I hear banjos. <laughs> You got the father who's a short orc, and the two bigger orcs are his sons, and this like that. And they say, oh, because they just moved into like a, a dugout on the other side of the farm or something like that. And one of the sons falls head over heels in love with the druid. And later on, they concoct a plan to kidnap her so we can have a wedding. And, you know, they have to be stopped. Okay, fine. There's a natural hole there for for the PCs. You know, you can use whatever. Where's the natural hole? Well, they have to be stopped. That's what I'm saying. And so she gets kidnapped. The farmer doesn't know what to do. He turns to the town for some, you know, and basically you hook them into with him. Okay. Well, what would be? Uh, what? No, well, I'm getting there. 
I'm okay. Getting... Now, if I'd overplotted this, I would have the whole story re- resolved, saying, oh, okay, he goes to the sheriff, the sheriff takes him in, and they go and stop, and blah, 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 and it's done. And it's like, well, that was a nice story. Why didn't you let the PCs save them, or something like that? You know, Do you get what I'm saying? I, I think so. Um, it sounds like you've got the whole story... It- I, don't, don't, I guess the way I do adventures is I set it up. I don't have any kind of really inherent resolution figured out. Right. But, well, um, maybe maybe more I'm trying to say, like, you don't want to figure out a resolution. You don't want that pet resolution that some DMs have. That they, right, because that, that path leads railroading. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to railroad the PCs into that. You want to let them come to their own resolution. Yeah, I mean, granted, the the villains shouldn't just stay in limbo until the PCs decide to get off their butts and do something. Right, but, what but I, at the same time, yeah, it's yeah, you don't want to do that. And it, uh, to me, the you know, creating the plot first that that's an inherent risk. I'm not saying it can't be overcome because obviously you do it, you overcome it. You don't mm. you don't do that kind of thing. But it's just something to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah, it is too easy, especially if the DM has come up with what they think is a really awesome idea. Right. There's that natural tendency to, well, I want the PCs to go to A, B, and C, because if they do that, they'll get the full view of how awesome, you know, how intricate and detailed this is, and they decide instead to go to D, E, and F. And that thinking leads to madness. Oh, yeah, because nine times out of ten... PCs will do exactly what you don't expect them to. Right. And you just have to be prepared and accept that. And you have to make room in the scenario for that. Right. If they're just determined not to cross the river to go find out what's going on on the hills beyond where you have the adventure, then you've just got to, you know, store the adventure and say, well, maybe I'll run it some other time, you know. Or you just, and also you've got to make sure that there are no plot points in there they absolutely have to do to advance the plot. Yeah, because that's another one. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna go. Yeah. They the didn't find the book. They didn't find the book. They need the book. Yeah, no, they can't go anywhere without the book. Yeah, it's well then he, that's a weakness to an adventure. For yeah, me. that's another thing you have to. That's like I said. That's just one of the pitfalls you got to be aware of when you do that kind of adventure. Yeah, if you're not tailoring it to them, that's all. You back, Liz? Uh yeah, more or less. My yeah, computer's being really, really slow. Imagine that. <laughs> I'm out yeah. of wind. I'm out of wind. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I'd say with the one of the best ones that I have online, you know, I've got some that are kind of eh, but one that's really, really cool, um, it's just called Donjon. Oh, that's J-O-N. Yeah, uh, that's one of the ones I use. Yeah, you know, it's got all kinds of stuff, not only for adventures, but, you know, random dungeon generators, you know, names, adventures, you know, it will mm-hmm. even do sci-fi and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to be, you know, just basic expert or even, you know, 1E to use this. You can use it even up to 4th edition if that's your bag. So, you know, it's a pretty cool site. That's I would say that's the one that I use most. What is often. it? What is it? Donjon.com um, or uh donjon.bin.sh. Okay. Um the link that I'm on right now that goes it goes directly to Adventure Generator. Um it then 
the address continues on slash fantasy slash adventure slash. Right. And that Don John is D O N J O N. J O N. Yes. Okay. There's also one Dariev's Dungeon, but he has since changed the name of that and the website. And I can't. I used to have a whole lot of stuff on there too, from dungeon creation to memes and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I was looking for it here because I. Saved in the old, but I can't seem can't seem to find it. But anyway, uh, okay, yeah, Liz, um, how do you feel? How do you weigh in on the subject of creating an adventure around the PCs or creating the adventure first, and uh, basically if the PCs fit into it or not? I like a mix of both. Um, I don't. And I mean like this mechanically, have... as far well, as you know, classes yeah. and. Um, yeah. I like to do some of each because. If a, for instance, hypothetically, if someone whose initials were Mike Stewart had, say, (laughs) written an adventure, which is pretty obvious that your party needs to have a cleric (laughs) to successfully complete the adventure, you know, if your party does not actually have a cleric, I would say that it is up to them and their native intelligence to figure out, you know, maybe we should hire a cleric or get an NPC cleric somehow to be with us because it seems, you know, there's a lot of undead here and maybe we should have one, you know. (laughs) For those who are uncertain, she's referring to... The Castles and Crusades module U1, Shadows of the Halfling Hall, which on the cover has halflings fleeing from ghosts, which seems to pretty much tell people there's going to be some undead in this, Mm -hmm. so you'd naturally want a cleric along. The playtest group in Arkansas that actually playtested it for Trollord Games. Nobody wanted to be a cleric. Nobody wanted to play a cleric. So, so they just didn't. They just didn't. <laughs> and they got their rears handed to them. Ow. This and adventure is hard. This adventure <laughs> sucks, you know? We use it. We'll get to... It's like, so. if you don't want to be a cleric, fine. Hire a cleric. Get yes. an NPC henchman or hireling or something. Little, yeah, <laughs> uh, in the village, a cleric who will attend, who will go with them if asked. Yeah. Well, ask well, you know, well, you know what? Uh, a certain portion of gamers, and I was one of them. The idea of hiring somebody was a foreign concept. True. Because there's a lot of people who it's like, okay, we don't have this, this, this. Well, we'll just go either just go on without, or we won't play. <laughs> or, or I don't got- want to hire someone because then they have to get a cut of our money. Exactly. Yeah. And our XP. Yeah. And I just, you know, it, we just wouldn't do it. And, you know, if it was a cleric, clerical situation, it's like, okay, we just, um, you know, let's sock away the healing portions and go, you know. Okay. I think we had to turn anything. Well, now let me clarify. It's not impossible to do this adventure by any means if you don't have a cleric. Uh-huh. It's just but a lot harder. It's a lot harder. And you need to take that into account. Maybe, like, buy some holy water. Yeah. That would be a thought. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have a problem with designing some adventures, you know, based on the makeup of my group of characters mm-hmm. that are on at my table, but I don't want all of them to be that way. And I think, you know, you should encourage your players to, you know, do some thinking of their own and 
if they're going into an adventure that is not playing specifically on their strengths, mm-hmm. you know, then they need to take steps to make sure that they've got the strengths necessary when mm-hmm. they go in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, makes makes sense. And regarding the subject of dealing with character backgrounds and stuff, we'll talk about a little more at when we get to DM Fiat. Nope. Sorry. What? Uh, nope, you're wrong. Look it up. I don't have to look it up. It's common knowledge. Nope. No, no, no! Fiatting DM style. Oh, yeah. Something equivalent. Sounds now we're talking about the actual plot and backgroundiness, not so much the mechanics or how you do it. Uh-huh. And how do you, and since you kind of touched on this earlier, Glenn, yeah, how do you get the party on the track of the adventure? Well, I've got this um, fishing pole with a piece of bacon on the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of bacon. That's right. <laughs> and do you know they have bacon-flavored soda now? Oh, please, please. Probably on a related subject. I just (laughs) ate, thank you. (laughs) You know, I like bacon. I really do. But soda or that bacon-flavored ice cream? No. Oh, God. That's a bit much. But anyway, um, how do I get them into the hooks? That's a good question because I just usually start. I don't like to do the old guy in the back of the tavern saying, come here, come here, you know. Um, although I have stooped to that a couple of times. Well, sometimes you're just totally, you got nothing. And, and sometimes I'm playing with an eight-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I get away with stuff like that. These aren't Mysterious tropes. Serious stranger beckons <laughs> to you. Yes. Like I said, Gage, half the time he just goes in there and, you know, if somebody has something, he'll go up and say, okay, I'll do it. Because I'm a, <laughs> God bless you, boy. I can just. Yep. I kiss his forehead. God bless you. <laughs> but, you know, I have stuff find them. I think I think the first thing I did when they were doing that is I set up an ambush outside of town on a trail with um, two, I think it's a couple of orcs and an ogre ambushing people and stealing their money and stuff. And that got them sucked into the plot. The sheriff heard about them, you know, basically handing them their butt, the orcs their butts. And all of a sudden they were, he hired them to go inspect a gully that they cleaned, a slaver gully that they cleaned out that had been infested with goblins. And boom, we're on the way. Yet they still get to choose, you know, do they take the money of the sheriff or they say, screw it, we're heading on out on the road. You know, it's not a railroad. Right. No, it's not a railroad in any way, shape, or form. But then again, they don't know about railroads yet, so <laughs> that's true. That's that's new. What's yeah. it's to about like twelve, thirteen? Yeah, I better have a solid reason. <laughs> yeah, that that's the great thing about you know new people in general, but especially kids. You know, it's all new to them. Yeah. But I remember back when I played three five or I DM three five. Believe it or not, um, I had I had my world worked out. I had my gods worked out, and it was kind of easy to tailor it to the party at the time. Mm-hmm. One, they were all out for adventure. And two, a couple of them had some really good character stuff that I could play with. 
and we'll get to that a little later. But anyway, that's basically it's seat of my pants. Basically, that's what okay. Liz, not <laughs> getting parties on the hooks. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, um, I like to have a whole bunch of them because if you just have one, you know, and they skip it, and they skip it, you're left going, "What do I do now?" <laughs> Um, so best not to have all your eggs in one basket. Right. Um, so if they don't bite over, say, the overheard conversation in the tavern, then, you know, maybe they'll respond to this one over near the stables, you know, or something somebody's like that. getting mugged behind the yeah. stables. Is this, yeah. is this the Vince Forio method where it's all the same story, just does it, turns it around? <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, I'll have different things going on, and, you know, depending on what the players have an interest in, you know, then that will hopefully, you know, eventually get them onto what it is that I, you know, have my adventure about. Right. you know, if you know what your group tends to favorably respond to, you can gear your hooks toward that vein, but Uh you can't. You can't depend on it, you know. Right. As we all know, sometimes your players just might be feeling contrary that day, and you know will yeah. refuse to do what they've done nine times out of ten. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, they always, you know, save the damsel in distress. It's like, nope, nope, not this not time. Not this time. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, she'd probably be dead by the time I got there anyway. Exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I tend to try to have about two or three different hooks for the adventure uh-huh. and you know if they're just determined to ignore it okay you know we'll go wander in the woods and kill kill boars or whatever it is they want to do you know i mean i i i can't stress enough i really don't like railroading it's it's annoying and i think it's something that a lot of adventure module designers get into and it's lazy and I think right. particularly in the 1990s, TSR was bad about this when they did adventures. You know what I think would – Not all of them, but I think a lot of them. They just got so enraptured with the idea of, you know, go – this only works if they go from A to B to C to D. Exactly. I'm just going to make them go A to B to C to D because I don't want to have to figure out what do I do if they go from A to D directly and don't go yeah. E and so on and, and so forth. Quite frankly, this would be something where having – a an on the fly, you know, adventure or encounter generator could be very useful because yeah. say you've plotted out something and your players are not taking any of your hooks. It's like they decide, well, we're gonna go, you know, into the woods, you know, off to the east of the town instead. It's like, well, okay, you know, I'll you know, just pull up a really quick, you know, forest encounter something going on, you know, because that's where you guys are insisting on going. So okay. here's something that I'm going to drop here to have you do something. You know? And that's good. You know, I would it would behoove DMs to – I've been watching a lot of, like, old 50s and 60s television shows lately, and I've been getting these box sets, and I've been watching this one show called Route 66 – it's about these two guys who just take off in this Corvette and drive across country. Mm-hmm. 
They're both a couple of kids. One's a disinherited rich kid, and the other one was uh, his buddy who used to work on a shrimp boat with him who grew up in Hell's Kitchen. And they're not really trying to get into adventures, but adventures a lot of times find them, depending on where they are. And I think it would behoove some certain DMs to watch a few of these to see how it's done. Mm. Um, because they always, you know, shows like this, you know, to me, they showed me how, yeah, you can take a table. If they want to go, all right, we want to go, uh, we want to go hunt minotaurs. Okay, there's the, you know, there's the Badlands, go hunt minotaurs. And then you start rolling on the charts to see what happens. And pretty soon a plot presents itself. Yeah. It, now don't get me hooking together. It well, don't get me wrong. I mean, talking about railroading, for example, right. that right. is easier, right? Especially for new DMs to do. So I, I will say, I know it's not easy to be an on-the-fly DM. It does take more work, but I and think your players tend to appreciate it more. Yeah, and, and railroading, I know, is tempting, but yeah. I resist that temptation. Prep as much as you can. And, you know, there is something to be said about the way Vince does it. You know, okay, they went, you want them to go to, to I give A, B, and C, they want to go to D. Well, I'll take C and make it D. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Well, I always feel like if you've got the story already written in your head and you're really thinking it's awesome, uh-huh. don't make an adventure out of it. Make a novel out of it. Okay. But I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying the whole thing is preconceived and you know without their involvement or anything. I'm just saying you know use what you got, use what you got. Mm-hmm. Well, I've just seen a lot of modules that go into that level of detail or supplements with that much. You know, it's like okay. well, don't just make a novel out of this. I... Okay. Yeah, I know. Forgotten realms. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> They made a lot of novels, or make eight thousand novels, <laughs> novels out of about it, it. in that case. Yeah, but my name, my name isn't Salvatore. But uh, yeah. Yeah. what about backstories? Do you like to get PC backstories into stuff? Once again, when I was doing three five, I had an, I don't get much opportunity to do that, and I actually had a regular group for a time, and I am actually managed to get backstories in there, and it was great. Yeah, I'd love to do it again. Liz, uh, it depends on your players. Um, if you have a group of players who like to do role playing at the table, you know, backstories are fantastic. If they don't tend to do a lot of role playing, if they're more just here to hit and they're not that interested in doing the role play stuff, uh-huh. you know, then it's way too easy for them to ignore the backstory adventure hook that you give them. You know, it's like, well, your older cousin who was given a small fief by a local duke is having some trouble with a band of orc raiders, and he has asked you to help him. Can he pay me? I don't work for free. (laughs) He's family, and he needs your help. So So what? You didn't do anything for me. (laughs) Is he going to leave me stuff in his will? Okay, I'll do it. You know, it's like, yeah. Hey, hey wills so, can be changed. You know? Of course, of course. That, that if you if you play like Call of Cthulhu regularly, it gets kind of ridiculous. How many cousins I didn't know about? I have <laughs> strange cousins who yeah. act oddly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, if you have a group of players who will role play and you know get into it, mm. then backstories can be great, and I love them. But if they're not going to get interested 
then you might as well not even bother. <laughs> yeah, you can have your a good backstory game. will be unappreciated. <laughs> you can have yeah. a great you can have a great time at the table with or without them, but yeah. backstories do make it a little easier for you and make it a little richer. Well. I remember running one campaign, uh-huh. Basic Expert, a couple of years ago, uh-huh. Mulvey Cook, right. um, where I actually had a character background sheet made up, uh-huh. and I actually made it to where you had to have X amount of the form filled out. You can fill out more than the minimum if you want, but mm-hmm. you have to at least, say, have a quarter of it filled out before you could just go to second level. Mm-hmm. Another quarter for third, so on and so forth. Because mm-hmm. I thought this would encourage people to develop their characters' backstories. And, you know, by the time you get to third, fourth level, you know, odds are your character is going to be around a while. Mm-hmm. And I can play off the backstory. We had a couple mm-hmm. playing in the game who just wouldn't do it. Mm. You know, the, he had a dwarf. She had uh, a fairy, mm-hmm. and that was that. They had their name. I mean, it took how many games did it take before they even got the name last names in? <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, it just took forever, and I could never, ever get them to do their form. And after a while, I just kind of gave up because mm-hmm. they fell in the ca- – I mean, they're great people. They're decent gamers, mm-hmm. but they're just not here to role play. They're here to kill. Yeah, well, I've seen people like that. And I, I, I had a lot better time once I realized that and stopped trying to push them into what I thought they should be doing. Now, you know, if you're if you are into that, and you got to have players who are into that thing to a certain degree. I mean, they all don't have to be, you know, 12 pages of backstory. Here you go. You know. Yeah, thespian Rennies or something. Yeah. Um, the central casting books help a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're into that, especially the first one, Heroes of Legend, mm-hmm. uh, go through there and you can get a lot of stuff. But as Fulon would tell you, don't take the whole thing at once and don't use every single damn thing on the sheet. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you get like an incredible, but something that Baron Munchausen would be proud of. Um, <laughs> in fact, Janelle was on Facebook. And she's thinking of redoing those books. That'd be cool. Um, and maybe as a Kickstarter, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, anything that does has Jackways doing more tabletop RPG stuff is fine by me. If you know anything of you know on Janelle and Facebook and stuff, uh, drop her a line saying, "Yeah, that'd be cool," because I'd like to see those books redone. As it is, I mean, because they, they're not the easiest things to find. Mm. But at the same time, they really help you with the backstory if you're a player or a DM who wants the players to do this. So you know. Uh, and she also, yeah, she also mentioned the possibility of also trying to create, you know, a downloadable app that you could use, you know, with the, you know, with the books. So you could do stuff, you know, if you don't have the book with you, you could, uh-huh. you know, do stuff on the fly, which I think would be pretty cool, too. Right. If you have a smartphone. Yeah, if you have one. You know, but Unlike decrepit more, old people who don't. More and more people are getting them, though. And sooner yep. or later, probably before we die, we will eventually have one ourselves. Fie. <laughs> ah. so, I say fie. I got my Android, and I'm happy. <laughs> it's a phase. It's a phase. I yeah, it's like, going, it's like going back to... No, yeah, no, no, no. Track 
players any day now. I oh, never. Yeah. No, no, sorry, sorry, no. I cannot do it without my GPS. Thank you. <laughs> On the phone. Anyway, anyway, I digress. We digress. All right. Last one for this section. And I'm going to start with Liz on this one because it's her favorite. Rumor tables. Use them or not. Rumor tables. I love rumor tables. (laughs) Um, Obviously, I do use rumor tables. Uh, If you've got players who are either playing thieves or, you know, even if they're not thieves, but they like to nose around for information, Mm -hmm. if you have a rumor table, it gives you a ready source of little tidbits you can drop to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and another great thing about having a rumor table made up for your adventure mm-hmm. is, you know, you can either roll randomly to see what they get, or if your party seems to be having a little bit of trouble finding the plot hook, you know, they're mm-hmm. just kind of wandering around and they're obviously confused. You know, you can deliberately drop them a correct rumor to nudge them in the right direction. You know, so. Rumor tables can be really useful. You know, yeah, just as long as they're not too heavy-handed. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I know of a couple of modules we reviewed where they're going, okay, this guy says this, this guy says this, this maybe we should go over here. Yeah, you I know. mean, quite frankly, my character could have used the rumor table in our 2E game last week. Because I just was, all used a rumor table. <laughs> I just was not getting it. You know, I probably would have needed a heavy-handed rumor. Mm. Go to the bakery. He's like, oh, hey, I think we should go to the bakery. <laughs> what a dungeon, brilliant idea! The dungeon beneath the bakery. What was that one module that we reviewed where we had like the king kicked out all the dwarves and this grumpy dwarf complained about it, and then they had the uh, the the madman who was a cleric drop a couple of cryptic hints on you, and it all pointed to the one. Like dungeon where the king was being mind controlled and stuff like that by the bad guy, and it was just so heavy handed. I don't like, what know. Just, what was that was that journey to the rock? I don't know, but it was like we had to stop this guy. You had to stop this this guy who was mind controlling the king who kicked out all the dwarves from the kingdom. Um, it's and it was just a bell for me. Yeah, I. Could it have been on Thago's hammer, maybe? No, no, no. This was a, this was a basic save or die. It was a basic adventure. Yeah, maybe it was one where Liz and I weren't this, here. This madman kept turning up, and it was and he was like a cleric from this one god who wanted the guy to, to be defeated, and it was like it was like almost like he hung, he had a sign hanging on him said. Ask me, I know the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Ask me about future XP rewards. Yes. Uh, Well, I'm sure our highly cultured and brilliant listeners, some of them will write in to tell us which one it is. Oh, yeah, I I just don't remember. Tell us, tell us, tell us. As for rumor tables, yeah, I use them if I got them. I usually know what's going on well enough where I can drop a couple of, you know, like over drinks this guy tells you. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Or you go to the jail and the jailer happens to mention this. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're writing the adventure, generally as the author, you're cogent enough with it that you can on the fly throw out rumors. Yeah. But, um, if I have a module, if they have a rumor table, sure, I'll use it. 
No. I like modules with. I'm like Liz. I I would always prefer a module with a rumor table. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd rather have it there and not use it than have it not there. That's true. Um, I'm a notoriously bad liar. Says, what do you mean there's a whale in the middle of the dungeon? <laughs> Blatant plug here, but my uh, the two modules I wrote for Castles and Crusades, Shadows of the Halfling Hall, and Burdent Rage, I both included rumor tables in, even though a lot of the Troll Lord modules never really dealt with rumor tables. Uh, you're the one who said you had to have a cleric to go in the Halfling Hall. Yeah. Well, I didn't say you had to, but it's pretty obvious. <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah, it is. But, um, yeah, so I, I like rumor tables, and that's the best place that a rumor table is needed for, because if you're using the module, obviously you're not the author, so you might need some suggestions on what would be a good rumor or not. Mm-hmm. Um, on a side note, uh, Judges Guild City State of the Invincible Overlord Awesome. Every shop has awesome suggested rumor. Yeah, that every I mean, it's not a table per se, but they give it like if you're in the shop and you're rumor hunting, here's a rumor that you may find. You'll find one on every street. Yeah, there's there's gobs of rumors. Oh my god, I, th- that's an example, a great example right there. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's a great suggestion. If you're putting a module out for publication, put a rumor table in because the people who like them really like them, and the people who don't, well, they can just ignore it. Yeah. Anyway. So off to random encounters. We take what we want and leave the rest. Just like your salad bar. Nothing up must leave. Presto! You will come out no more. What? Huh? What will come out no more? Random Encounters. Random Encounters. And we're talking about more than just encountering a rumor. Mm -hmm. Hey, we could do a section, Rumor Encounters. Oh, no. (laughs) That could be something more on a generic OSR gaming type podcast. Oh, oh, don't give us ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, copious amounts of spare time. Yeah. Anyway, the challenge for this one was to mention a particular encounter you've come up with that you're particularly proud of in an adventure or a monster. And we'll start with Glenn. Oh, okay. okay. Um, well, I'm not going to go into the four giant spiders on a first-level party, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm wow, not, that's harsh. I'm not proud of that one. That was like, you know, that was like major overestimation on my part. <laughs> Yeah, that's a uh, wow. I had I, I really had a, could handle it. I had a city encounter once. This was more like a I don't know what kind of encounter, but um, friend of mine. I was I was I was DMing a two E group, and they happened to be in I believe Waterdeep, and my friend goes out for the night, and they were all out for the night, and down the street come these two drunk giants. Ah. They found well. They found out earlier that the, uh, I think it was the Storm Giant Ambassador, some kind of giant ambassador, was in town to talk to the Lords of Waterdeep. Okay, cool. And they're like his, they're his bodyguards, and they went out and tied one on. And I rolled the giants, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh my God! And they walked up, and none of the player characters drew weapons because they were like. 
far enough away to see what was going on. And they stumbled down, and they saw the player character. Okay, roll for initiative. And so they roll for initiative, and I just got a wild hair up my butt, and I said, the one giant leans down and looks at one of the characters, a fighter. Oh, look! We got a little human here. Are you going to try and hurt us? And the other one's going, I'll leave him alone. We're trying to be nice. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Try and hit me. Try and hit me. He leans down. And the fighter, <laughs> I says, what are you going to do? I says, are you going to swing him with swords? He says, no, I'm going to punch him. Okay. We'll just do it as a hit. Roll to hit. And he hits and he does like negligible nothing. He no yeah. like one hit point. And right. <laughs> goes, Oh, that's great. He 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 just bolts up and he starts laughing and I rolled his dex roll. And he tripped over a cart and fell flat on his back out. And the other giant looks at the party. Holy you, crap. You you knocked out Harry. You knocked out Harry. Get away from me. Get away. The encounter. Yeah. <laughs> and now they've got a reputation. Now they got a reputation for this guy's got a reputation for knocking out giants. <laughs> <laughs> Jack the giant killer. Jack the giant, yeah. Seven in one blow. Yeah. I would hear snoring, but <laughs> But that's oh, yeah, they're they're giants. What are they? Nothing know? ever goes. I'm not saying nothing ever goes, but nothing ever goes as expected in my encounters. Ah. I never have like you know like okay four orcs, boom boom boom, they're dead. There's mm-hmm. always something weird. Either I'm doing it or my players are doing something weird. Okay. You know, oh, I'm going to tie a rope to the to the dwarf's ankles and swing him around with his axe out or something like that. Try and sweep him. You know, all right. Ah, Pity Crispy isn't here. That yeah. Trask moment right there. Yeah, it's like, yeah, go. What about you? <laughs> how, about, how about your... I want to hear about your encounters. This? Well, hmm. I guess a an encounter I designed... Um. One of my adventures, I had, a, I had a tribe of kobolds. Of course, it had to be kobolds. <laughs> um, arf, arf. Yes, Rust, that, that joke was wearing a Kevlar helmet. <laughs> um, had a tribe of kobolds cultivate an Atyug in their cave complex. Of course. Uh, using it as their personal waste disposal system. Of course. Um, so you had kind of a symbiotic relationship between the two different species that made a kind of sense to me. Uh-huh. And it also placed a far more dangerous monster in the middle of what would have otherwise been a fairly run-of-the-mill, low-hit-die adventure section. Uh-huh. Um, and the placement of it in the cavern system... You did not have to go through that cavern to get to other stuff. You could have taken other paths and gone around it. So if you know the if the party was not powerful enough, which they generally would not have been, or they would have taken some pretty you know rough wounds and stuff if they had been able to kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't have to. They could have retreated or they could have just, you know, looked in there and go, ah, you know, and, you know, 
you would have been able to go around it and still get through all of the rest of the cave system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, I like to have things, you know, kind of peppered here and there that, you know, don't really fit with the level of the adventure. And the thing that I liked especially about this one was, you know, because it's an odd yug, you know, it's not going to leave its lovely little nest of filth to <laughs> pursue the party. So, you know, if they do decide we want to run, they can safely do so. And it's a good learning experience for new players. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I yeah. like that. I like that add a little style to it. Well, my favorite, or at least the one that certainly comes to mind, is one I contributed to a, uh, a collaborative module over at Dragon's Foot. I think it's called Bats in the Belfry or something like that. Uh-huh. Anyway, the main baddie of this thing was supposed to be a vampire. Right. So we had the vampire, and while I'm not just utterly uh, uh, an ecology Nazi when it comes to dungeons. Mm -hmm. I like a little bit of common sense. Um, So, yeah, this vampire, he's going out, he's getting victims, bringing them back and killing them. So, so the, the thing that initially occurred to me was, what happens to the bodies? I mean, he drinks the blood, what does he, you know, what does he do with the bodies? What does he do with the empties? Yeah. (laughs) With the crushed cans. Well, I figured... You know, well, he probably just tosses them somewhere because he's not going to go to the effort of dragging them out of the dungeon complex to leave outside. I mean, right. So I thought, well, maybe he's got like kind of a mine shaft or a well well type shaft off his main apartments that he tosses them down. Mm-hmm. And then it occurred to me, well, what's going to happen there? And so I created what amounted to a short drop off of about 15, 20 feet with bodies in there, and a lot of PCs are going to look down and see a bunch of dead bodies of, of people, and their first thought is, hey, roll them for money. <laughs> so in there, I put carrion crawlers. Oh, boy. Which are a great monster. I don't think they're used enough. I know they're proprietary to wi- Wizards of the Coast, so it, it limits it, but it's a pity because I think they're great. And so I basically had... Uh, three, I think. Three carrying crawlers just down in the hole of a pile of bodies. So when the PCs start going down there, it's only when they start moving them around that carrying crawlers hit. Uh-huh. So that one and having zombie, having a group of zombies infested with rot grub are probably my two favorite encounter types. Oh, nice. I, I hate that. Yeah, it's hate, great. Hate, 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 Every time you hit them really hard, it's like spray of rot grubs. Yeah, he's we're great. Now, we're now grossed out. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and as I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone who's been listening to Save or Die a while, I like undead. I really, really, really do. I kind of, I kind of do too, but I don't think to the extent that you do. <laughs> What I do like you mean Glenn? <laughs> exactly what I said. <laughs> Take of it what you will. <laughs> Just in the in the interest of complete disclosure, I am not really a fan of World of Darkness. So, uh huh. I like my undead to be evil. That's right. That's part of the fun. 
You know, that's, you know, there's no moral ambiguity here. It's undead. It's evil. It's going to try to kill you. Kill it. Me too. Like when we went back to what inspires you, one of my big things that inspire me is old horror movies like Universal Horror and Hammer Horror. So they're all evil. Yeah. Dracula. He's evil. Yeah. Not running around in a big shirt trying to get laid. You know, he's evil. He's doing evil things. And and he's not sparkly. He's not sparkly. Exactly. So, so that's our encounters. If anyone has any encounters they'd like to talk about, shoot us an email. Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. And I see in the distance our lonely road yeah. coming up again. Now it's coming up to us. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's, a new var- that's a variant plot hook now. So oh, okay. To get us involved, it's coming toward us. And there we go. And there we go. Down the road. Partying with giant. Partying with drunken giants. That's how Glenn's going. He's yeah. with drunken giants. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm running away from that Otyag. Who's following you, despite leaving his, his pile of filth. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, don't throw that stuff. <laughs> I am running from the... The collapsing zombies full of rock grubs with an umbrella to keep the rock grubs off. Oh, you're no fun. Yep, that's me. No fun. <laughs> I guess it's time to go, huh? Yeah. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Good night. Free arc. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>